0: What's new? Are you still bitter over me calling you the Skip Bayless of my friend group?
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. It was it was just a you know a shot at you know that didn't need to be said, and I just I thought it was a little low, you know. Skip Bayless, like something else maybe, but Skip Bayless. That's you know that's
2: especially right after that tasteless tweet that he had during <laughs> <Yeah>. the <laughs> Mark Hamlin situation. Man, that was. So... And
1: Very I and I know most of your friends, so like for you to say that is like you know you don't you don't have. I feel like I'm not the worst of your friend group, you know?
0: No, I'm not saying you're the worst. I'm just well, saying skip you're the skip. Is the worst. But he's mad successful.
1: Okay. We yeah, way to save it. Drew. So
0: here's here's here was my point about calling you skip Bayless. Your take was the Niners or the Broncos will win a Super Bowl before the 49ers do. And what the skip bayless part of that is it's a totally baseless. Take that you have literally zero evidence of that. And as of right now, the Niners literally have a chance to do that this year. Will they? We have no idea. We'll get into the Niners here in a bit, but they have a chance. They're in the playoffs. And your team, the Broncos, were hard, they were they were terrible this year. They're hard
1: rebuild year, you know? Got a new ownership, new coaching, which luckily we fired.
0: But my point is, you're telling your two boys here who are lifelong Niners fans. This take that literally has no evidence to back it up. Yeah, like, I was
1: trying to get a rise.
0: That's my point. That is well,
1: you were, your context to that. We can't go through the we can't go through the entire mentions here, but you it wasn't just out of the blue. You know, I was backed into a corner like a rabid raccoon. You guys were coming at me. I felt threatened, so I lashed out. Which I'll stand by. I still think the Broncos are going to win a Super Bowl before the San Francisco 49ers. There, I said it.
0: Based on what?
1: Our franchise as of 10 years.
0: You have new owners.
1: Yeah, exactly. We're on the rise.
0: Uh, you know
2: what's funny to me is, like, you work yourself up in our chat. It's not even me or Jerome that gets you going. Like, <laughs> you're talking to yourself, yes. working yourself up, and then I have to, like, re- like retort or, like, like I have to say I say something. And it's usually really just, like, plain, matter of fact, mm-hmm. like, rather dry. No, it's dry. And you get all up in your head and start taking it, like, personal insults and personal shots. Like,
1: dry just- is just another name for mean i have a dry sense of humor no you're a dick dude
2: i mean okay touche i mean the broncos suck like it's not like it's it's like easy pickings
0: here's part of the problem or here's at least the theory i have that is creating some of this animosity here john you work for a very reputable and popular radio station in the bay area so you are inundated with the dumbest of fans they're the people who call into sports shows they're the ones who will debate joe montana tom brady and get furious behind it right these are the people that you are hearing from right i feel for the most part ab and i can be very irrational but i think when it comes to our love for the niners we both said that we don't expect to win a super bowl this year it would be awesome if we did i feel like we're pretty reasonable fans and that comes from years and years and years of accomplishments followed by um devastating heartbreak right so my expectations for what this team is are always tempered. i'm more pessimistic of a fan than i am optimistic which can suck it sometimes because my fiance is really trying to get into the Niners this season she's really getting behind them she you know allows me to watch all the Warriors games over the past three years you know so she's really trying to get behind these teams and then I'm just like they we suck (laughs) you know turn off the TV get frustrated and she's trying to be supportive and she doesn't know how to handle that but she doesn't get it yet she hasn't spent you know the last what 25 years losing in big spots I have and so I don't I rarely um toot the horn or i'm not the guy who has niners flags on my car right oh thank god <laughs> that's not who i am like i am
1: douchiest things to do
0: 100 those 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 uh fanatic hardos are not our people but we're those not those people those are raider fans <laughs> right, right. I've, seen, no,
1: I've seen i've seen i've seen nine i have The the Golden State Warriors and the Niners flag flying. It's like, we get it. Touche. But the
2: majority of Bay Area people flying flags that are held up out of their windows, it's Raider fans.
1: Yeah. And they're a delusional group,
2: anyways. I mean, they've had, you know, they're, they're a transient nomadic group. I mean, they, you know, they don't have a home.
1: That's a great way to describe
0: them. So let's talk about that for a second, because um, Mark Davis came out this week or last week after the game and basically started bitching about the fact that the Raiders play all away games. And it's like, bro, you took the money grab. You took your team from one of the most loyal fan bases, if not the most, after you've left that city twice now. And you took the team away from Oakland and you put them in Vegas, which I, I'm sorry to tell you, first of all, this happens almost everywhere. When a new stadium opens for the first few seasons, that is the destination. That is the away game these hardcore fans want to go to. I want to check out, you know, Jerry World. I I want to check out SoFi. And now you're putting it in Vegas and the stadium be damned Vegas alone is a giant tourist attraction so if i want to go see my team play one away game this season do i want to go to fucking jacksonville or do i want to go to vegas do I, you know what i mean yeah. like do i want to go to detroit or do i want to go to vegas like you put the team in a place where you away from its native fan base and this is what you get go ahead sir
2: and and what are you bitching about, Mark Davis? It doesn't matter if your stadium's full of Jacksonville fans or full of Raiders fans. You're still selling tickets and concessions, my friend. Like your bottom line is not hurting. So like for him to like get all like loyal fan, you know, you know, I get it. You like, you know, the Davises have been running that franchise, so I'm sure that he's a Raider fan. But. Like, dude, you made the move. It was the same thing that Spanos did with the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers had a great fan base in San Diego and they moved them to, to LA. And now, I mean, you go to any of those you look at any any of those Charger games, and yeah, LA is a destination for sure, but you look at those Charger games, it, it's an 80-20 split visiting team. You yeah. know, and it's the same thing. It's gonna be the same thing with Vegas and, and and like you said, it's a destination. Um, you know, Mark Davis, dude. Get a haircut, bro, or don't get the
0: same haircut. He gets a haircut in Chico. Yeah, he flies out to Chico once a week to get his haircut.
2: That is the worst mistake I've ever. Dude, put a bowl on your head and have your twenty-four-year-old girlfriend do it, like your blind cousin. That thing is garbage, dude. Yeah, it's bad.
1: (laughs) It's really. But I I will say the one thing for the working for the Raiders that the Chargers really didn't ever have is the like, like the cultural name brand you know such an iconic brand that i think you know like like any franchise that moves like give it a couple years like raider fans are still going to be feeling that but to to your point drew like there's not a lot of nevada people people that live in um clark county that are raider fans right they're gonna have to develop over time over generations like yeah everyone coming to vegas there's no Everyone's a transplant. You you rarely find someone in Vegas. Maybe one percent of the time you'll find someone in Vegas being like, "Yeah, I grew up here."
2: I'll tell you what though, and maybe it be maybe it's because it was the first, but the Golden Knights didn't have any problem generating that fan base, and they were rabid and they were real, and like they adopted that hockey team that's full true. force. And so you know, but that's, I, I think but that's that,
1: an expansion team. That's not that's not like I take, agree. take the San Jose Sharks and put them in Vegas. You're not having that effect. You know what I mean? Like the golden Knights. Yeah, it's not Knights all was, the
0: way yours.
1: Right. The golden Knights was right. something that Vegas could claim as their own. Same thing with uh, the WNBA team. You know, the Las Vegas Aces,
0: I think. Yeah, it's the Aces. Um,
1: but they have they've grown in popularity in the last couple of years when they first started because they are their own entity, right? Like they're not the Oakland Raiders or the LA Raiders.
0: Well, like, and also how about don't blow uh, five games when you have a 10-point lead? You know, sure. like... I the tourism aside and yes any team that builds a new stadium or moves this is going to happen in the first couple seasons and like you mentioned it's going to take at least a generation and winning for kids to grow up and be die hard las vegas raiders fans right now you have the raiders had a national brand because of what they did in the 70s the early 80s because of their logo because of their their entire culture what al davis built was incredible and say what you want i i don't know i have a ton of respect for what that dude did he was an absolute fucking savage right the way he even came into power and basically strong-armed his way into being an owner it was absolutely savage mark is not that mark is not that And we also need to remember that mark is the brokest of all the nfl owners right and he grew up with football money all these other owners they their major the majority of their money they make come from other endeavors and owning the team is an asset to them it's not their business plan right and so you know you got to keep that in mind as well so this was for mark davis ultimately a smart business decision because they sell out most of their games because people want to come from all over the country to go have a weekend in Vegas and then watch their favorite team probably come back from down 10 in the third quarter to win that game right so um you know I do think that factors in but I also just thought what a wildly just tone-deaf thing for Mark Davis to come out and say when it's like, bro, you're the one who moved this squad for the money. Yes, sir.
2: I I think too, you can like sum it up in in, in the difference between Al and Mark, and obviously there's many, but Al Davis hired the first minority head coach in, in Tom Flores, right? Mark Davis hired John Gruden with a fu- with a, a, a slew of racist emails. And so there's the like there's the oh, difference. He didn't know, in he that. Didn't
1: know about his email. He,
2: he didn't know that, but he didn't do his due diligence. And that and to me, like Al would have been on his shit. Al would have been, you know, thorough, through and through. Mark hired a name brand. Mark is plastic, right? Mark Mark is that plastic owner. Mark is that spoon-fed silver spoon, you know, basically inherited the team. And I think that you see the difference between someone who had to claw, scrap, and fight and wasn't an underdog, the other in Al, and now you have the privileged son of him as the majority as the privileged you know running the team and they there, you can see that like that that mentality is has been whitewashed has been you know diluted quite a bit and and they quite frankly they they're a laughingstock like the the their their iconic brand has taken such a hit under mark that you know they're no longer just win baby i mean they it's they're not like when well, they know. haven't
0: been in how long right the the last time they were in a championship game even was the tuck rule wasn't it
2: yeah, yeah. i mean it was it, it was uh 2002 who was it who was the who was the quarterback rich gannon gannon you know and and that was the last time they were relevant and then after that it was just a uh and, and they darius hayward bay was that one pick that was like after mm, that pick yeah you know, it really showed such a that, good like, call.
1: That is such a good call. Uh, that's such it. a
0: good call. Yeah. It was, a great. That too. Pick,
2: yeah. That draft pick was like the start of that slide because they prioritized the, and then Jamarcus Russell. And it was like those two draft picks, you know, really shifted the trajectory of that franchise and really showed the ineptitude that was going on in that front office. And it still is there to this day. What are you bringing in Devonte Adams for? I mean, I get it. I get it. But Like you have way bigger problems than a skilled receiver that you need to fill and you're, 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 yeah.
0: One of the things that you, you mentioned there when you touched on Darius Hayward Bay and in particular Jamarcus Russell, um, I don't know if you noticed, but I just immediately started smiling because what it brought me back to was one of my favorite days uh, in press conference history. And that was when Al Davis fired Lane Kiffen and pulled out the overhead projector to talk about what a piece of shit Lane Kiffin was, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking I, a gangster. I was a gangster,
2: bro. I was a gangster. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. He would cut your neck if you
0: weren't performing, you know, and Mark is a pushover the fact that he pulled out the overhead projector (laughs) glenn kiffin is a liar he is a piece of shit and here's (laughs) why do you have my clear paper cool will you lay it down for me great (laughs) (laughs) oh fucking legendary Uh, oh man they just don't make them like that anymore uh all right boys it's been a minute since we've we've talked a lot of things have happened um in particular one thing i'm concerned about is uh john no longer has college football to bet on so we're going to uh we'll we'll see if you you know where you end up with that my friend um i would say don't take my advice (laughs) uh, rounded out this nfl season pretty tough it started really great as it always does uh, and then about week eight or nine, it got real shaky. I will say, uh, shouts to me that, um, if not for injury, I really nailed it on, I think, the first episode of this show, which was week two or three of the NFL season, when I told you, John, that Jalen Hurts minus or plus 1400 for MVP was a good pick. Um, I also said Lamar Jackson, but you know, he got injured as well, but, <laughs> um, now that the NFL season has wrapped, at least the regular season, is there anything in particular that you'll kind of that that you'll when you look back at the twenty twenty two season is going to stick out to you? Either one of you for the NFL season for the entire NFL season. Just is there one particular moment or game or storyline?
1: Yeah, yeah uh, week one. Thursday night football, I believe, uh, or Monday night football. Yeah, it was Monday night football, the kickoff to Monday night football. Just having such high hopes for the Denver Broncos going into Seattle to play Geno Smith, thinking this was about to be a house call. And uh, here we are 18 weeks later, and my franchise is in a shambles. (laughs) and gino oh, yeah, smith I mean, has thrown for four thousand yards <laughs> <laughs> what is going on
2: he, he's he, the, the the carriage is turning into a pumpkin with gino i mean he's starting to, re- to reverse a little bit here but i i say for me there's two moments as a, as a niner fan it was Brock Brady coming in halfway through that miami game um and just what that did to our season and what that's done to our offense in essentially scoring uh, an average of 36 points on offense since he's taken over at the range and just crazy. the the poise that he plays with um, uh this is not a mistake uh, mm-hmm. i think at first we were all kind of like oh wow how, how long can he sustain this are they i think this is who he is and i think the niners have a really great problem right now with you know yes, what man. are they going to do with this quarterback situation going into the offseason do they have an asset and trade lance now they don't even have to think about signing Jimmy. Jimmy's going to be in, in, a jet, in my opinion, with Salah they will be Yep. Unite. yep. Um and, and then, obviously, the DeMar Hamlin situation, that's absolutely unprecedented as far as anything we've ever seen on the football field. Um, I think that it rattled a nation, and it really put into highlight um, just how physical and how violent this game is. I mean, they say that... You know, it's a car crash every single time, and I think people take that lightly, but it, it is. It, it's a full-speed full car crash every single time, and a 24-year-old healthy young man athlete who's been doing this his entire life got the perfect shot to the chest in between a heartbeat that essentially shut him down. Um, and we just have to take a second to remember that these guys put their bodies on the line every single play and that it is a serious, you know, life or death, Thing that these guys go through, and you know, a lot of a lot of times, I know when I played ball, and me and John played football together. You know, I was a team captain, and I always, you know, get the team riled up, going, "We're going to fucking war tonight, boys! This is our fucking house. We're taking it." You know, we're going to war. We're soldiers. That's how we would talk about it, and that's the farthest thing from the truth, right? We're not. But these guys that are stepping onto a professional football field and putting their bodies on the line like that every single day, like there is a life and death component to it. And we saw that um, on Monday night with the Bengals and the Bills. Thank God the young man has made a recovery. It's been super inspiring. I do not want to face the Bills in the Super Bowl because they have it. And anyone who has to play them right now is playing not only the Bills but they're playing it. And that it is whatever that you know that unifying um, thread that is going to beat through that team into the playoffs. It's going to be one hell of a hard team to beat, Um, you know, and so unbelievable. I'm just glad that the young man is is, you know, is back back to
0: life. Of course. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, The interesting thing for me, as far as DeMar Hamlin goes, is I didn't see it. I still haven't seen the play. Um, when it happened, we were uh, we were doing the radio show. So the first time I even heard about it was John actually texted me and said they're doing CPR on a player right now on the field. I was like, "What?" <clears throat> and then obviously I saw everything after, but I still haven't seen the hit because I didn't. I really didn't have any interest in watching it in case he did end up passing. Thankfully, he hasn't. I'm sure I'll see it at some point, but it's not something i went to seek out so my experience with it was i didn't have the same visceral reaction as everyone else because i didn't see it happen right um so i don't have i guess the same attachment um and and just general shock most people did for me uh as being a niners fan really the christian mccaffrey trade is kind of how i'm going to remember the season obviously brock purdy would be high up there too um, and that might be the future of the franchise who knows, but he seems like a baller, but just what the Niners became after CMC came to the squad. And I was one who I tried not to be, you know, typical skeptical, pessimistic drill on that one. And was like, all right, well, listen, you know, they, they seem to know what they're doing. You know, they made this move. Kyle Shanahan knows how to incorporate. um. Running backs, right, and in particular a running back with multiple skill sets. He did it with the wide receiver, right, <laughs> like, by bringing Debo in as one of the main running backs last season. So, um, and I believe the Niners are what seven and zero, eight and zero since um, CMC became a starter, and he's just totally opened up their entire offense. And ten and 10 and zero.
1: They're on a ten game since since Christian McCaffrey. They got him. Oh, really? They got him. Well, I guess technically, if you they they got him right as they were playing the Kansas City Chiefs, but he wasn't active. He wasn't playing. um, And they, you know, got beat by the Kansas City Chiefs. But every game that he has started, they've won.
0: Yeah. And so to me, rarely do you get a blockbuster trade in football, right? We reserve that for basketball and baseball. We rarely get that in football. And to get a talent of his caliber, I honestly, I. I tried to not think about the health concerns. Of course I did. But just what that team's turned around to be since he joined the squad has been uh, pretty remarkable. I would also like if the Niners would stop fucking around at the beginning of the season. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just tired of it. Like, can we just be if we're going to be good? Can we start off pretty good? Can we just start off like over 500 and not losing to the Bears? I get it. It was a monsoon, but also losing to Denver. I mean, what are we doing? Anyway, um, I digress. Let's talk about the season moving forward. And as we do this, I do want you guys to kind of think about, um, because this is the first show we've done in the new year, right? We missed last week. Um, Hmm. So if you could think of just like maybe three highlights in, in the sporting world, or in like pop culture things that you're going to remember for last season so we kind of wrap the show with or last year i should say from 2022 we kind of wrap the show with some highlights of 2022 Uh, but let's talk about moving forward the niners ended up clinching the number two seed. they'll face the seahawks niners are favored by 10 at home and so i was just curious what you boys are looking for in this game or if john are you even going to watch this game or are you just like man fuck the niners i have to hear about them all the time i'm tired of it
1: no i mean i'm, I'm definitely going to watch um I, I you know i was saying today that that part of it it's you know with with working with the station obviously it's our main subject point right now that in the warriors and um i, I for content purposes you know i i would like to see them go to the nfc championship game against the eagles um but for my crazy ruthless friends that are 49er fans and just hearing the banter and just knowing that they will never shut up if they win a Super Bowl it has me really really hoping that the Niners lose but honestly I'm I, short of an AFC team uh, I don't see the Niners really falling short uh, in the NFC I think I think the Eagles game is you know if they can get to that matchup I think it'll be a really great game but I I think when you look at the Seahawks and then potential matchups, you know next week whether it be, you know uh, the Buccaneers, the Cowboys, or the Vikings, like any one of those teams, you should you should beat. So uh, I I think that this is going to be over by halftime. Like like Aaron said, I think uh, Geno Smith is on the downward trend. That running game is is sneaky sneaky good, but they do have a lot of rookies on on both sides of the ball, so. I expect that to come out in, in playoff situations and man, the Niners just, I mean, short of Michigan losing a TCU, they, they remind me of that as far as the defense and offense is concerned. They just slowly beat you down. They have big chunk plays first half, second half. And by the third, into the third, fourth, fourth quarter, you don't want to play anymore. You don't want to play with the Niners. They, they are a physical, physical team. Um, and, with CMC and all those weapons on offense, there's no one you can really game plan for. Mm. Um, and with Purdy playing the way he is, I, it's going to be tough to, to take down the Niners. But God, I hope they lose.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say, you know, all that is, I agree with all of that. Um, I do think that, you know, uh, Pete Carroll will throw a wrench in the system and he will try to do something. I wouldn't be surprised if he... Loads up on one side of the ball. If he, you know, if it's a whatever, he's going to try something. Tyler Lockett was banged up the last couple of games, so I think that kind of hurts them a bit. I think he's one of the more underrated receivers in the game. Um, Trevarius Ward has done a number on DK the last two times they've met, um, yeah. and I think that's going to continue. Um, I think that he is
0: and by uh, doing uh, a number on him, do you mean just um <laughs> fucking grabbing him every time <laughs> hey
2: he's taking a play out of out of uh the Legion of boom yeah that's what the that's what the Seahawks did every single play when they were doing what they were doing on defense is they they said call it, call it are you gonna yeah. call it every time you're you're not gonna call it every time you know what I mean and so I don't care how he gets it done get it done and that's a crafty you know, Big-bodied cornerback who can yeah. shut down shut down the ones, right? Um, George Kittle has been a revelation with Brock Purdy seven touchdowns in the last four games. I think there's a nice little connection there. It might be the Iowa thing. I don't know what's going on. I know that Iowa State, Iowa, but um, you know, and and I I just I think that Purdy gives this team an element of of unpredictability that Jimmy didn't, and so in big games when we need a scramble when we need someone, something to go off script, right? You can With Jimmy, you could stack the box. You could pretty much understand he was a first-read quarterback. You knew where it was going to go. If you could get to him, he was going down. With Purdy, you can't do that. He's got enough escapability to where he can extend the play and make something happen with his feet. Um, And then on the defensive side of the football, I think – you know, I've, I defended the big plays. I have defended against the big plays to John in particular when he's, you know, well, there's a big play, you know, the first play of their second play of the game last week where, <laughs> you know, uh, A.J. Green high pointed that ball and basically Sean Gibson slipped. Just I mean? him. I, that was not a body. Okay. That was a high not point at
1: all. on a Went up they and got somebody. it, dude. You Whatever. Got you lost. can think what
0: you want. What well, I, the what defender I also misjudged the jump there. He jumped too early. Right. Right. So, but I am concerned
2: about some mental lapses in the secondary that that have led to big plays, and yeah. that that will be an issue in the playoffs. They better tighten it up. And Hufanga needs to stop. It's like Hufanga's like the meme where it's like you're walking by with your girl, and like the one guy goes by and he's like looking over his shoulder, like, oh, there's a there's a possible interception, or here's the play I can actually make. Right. You know, and it's like yeah. make the actual play. And you're a pro bowler for a reason, but stop you're not Troy yet. You're not Paul Amali yet. Okay. So let's just cool it with the impromptu plays. All right. Play the scheme, stay over the top, make sure that everything stays in front of you. And I think D'Amico called him out and said, You have wandering he has wandering eyes. He needs to lock it in. Right. So I think that D'Amico get this defense locked in. And I think that, you know, I think Bosa sets the tone and You know he's the perfect tone setter as far as on the field and
1: off the field. He is so crucial, man. He is so crucial. I I would argue that he is more crucial to the Niners' success than Purdy is, easily. Easily, everything that defense runs through him. And even to to your point, Aaron, this whole entire year talking about Dre Greenlaw, we see what that what that defense looked like without Dre Greenlaw those last two weeks, and it's exposed that secondary having yeah. having greenlaw back in there he acts essentially with his speed he acts as nickelback so you can yeah. kind of take lenore out of the equation because lenore has also been a goddamn liability in that secondary so For sure. I, that's i mean that's the only way the 49ers lose is through that secondary is is through a shootout in that secondary and, and to the eagles credit they have the number one pass offense um yeah. you know yeah. in 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 football right now so uh,
2: I- I will say I, I I do think that Eric Armstead needs to step up, and we need an interior presence that can take a little bit of pressure off of Bosa. Yeah. Um. And and that's a big thing is that we got to get these other D linemen making an impact. And I, I like, uh, you know, Jordan Willis and and those guys, but Eric Armstead is a a, a mountain of a human, and he needs yeah. to play like it. You know. Um. So the, the, those, I, I think we're in a good position. No one in the NFC scares me outside of the Eagles, and going, I think going to Philly is a big part of that fear. Um, but then we're talking about the three best quarterbacks in the game on the other side with Burrow, um, Burrow, Mahomes, and and Allen. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be a hell of a dogfight to get to the to the Super Bowl, and then we're going up against some Rolls fucking Royces. If if. I I would imagine one of those three teams is not going to be there
1: from a betting standpoint. The line is at 10 right now, the Seahawks Niners. Do you, you find any qualms in taking the Niners or are you, are you taking points in the playoffs?
2: Yeah, it's a playoff game. It's a division game. It's the third time they're playing like, you know, I, I I could see the Niners winning by 14 to 17 points, but you know, everything in my gambling background says you got to take the Seahawks plus 10 with the points. I mean, if Pete Carroll is going to do what Pete Carroll is going to do, he's going to muddy this thing up. It's going to be a deep, a run-heavy playbook for them. You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the Niners could blow them out in the second quarter, like you said. It could get ugly in the third and the fourth quarter. But I just, I can't, I can't take ten points on the on the third time playing a team and the, the division, a divisional opponent.
0: You know? And in most likely, what will be a a, a rainy Levi Stadium, yes. right? Right. Like right. Points might not be at a premium you know they sure. might be very hard to come by this weekend so we'll see um i have i i do i want to go back to one thing you said because i thought maybe it was just my eyes but and maybe i was seeing things wrong but Hafanga seems to be out of position on a lot of these big plays and i thought and i don't know what it is right like but it does seem like maybe his hot start to the season got to him a little bit right like i know in very different line of work but what i do my ego can get in the way occasionally right and i could start to cut corners because i feel like i'm killing it or i got this now right without going through the whole process and i don't know that that's what's going on and i don't really know what i'm watching most sundays right i just (laughs) um but I felt like I've just felt like Hufanga has just been out of position so many times of late and gambling and it's cost him. And it's like, yo, you don't need to do that. I appreciate that. You're trying to be a ball Hawk, um, but you got to stay within the system, right? You're not Palomalu, You're not Ed Reed yet, you know, and those are the two best that ever done it. And it took them years to master that craft. So I've just noticed, uh, the same like you were saying ab that he's he's just gambling a little much for my liking um aside from that are there any matchups coming up this weekend that you boys are really like just hyped on excited for um uh, yeah what's I the can't, game of the week
1: i can't wait to see the bucks beat the cowboys
0: <laughs> and
1: and the vikings beat the giant or no excuse me the the giants, the giants like. beat the vikings and so the the Niners have to play the Bucks and just listen to all the Niner fans panic for a week straight.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm interested in all the games. I, I, I will say the one game that I'm, I'm quietly interested in is the chargers and the Jags. Yes. I, I, I really want to see like how mm. Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, um, Navigate this. I want to see what Doug Peterson does with the Jacksonville team that got in the playoffs. I want to see what a young upstart Jacksonville team can do. Um, I still think Justin Herbert throws the prettiest ball in the game. Um, some of the balls he throws are just absolute frozen rope lasers. And, I mean, they're, they're, they're prettier than, you know, Allen's got the deep ball. Burrow's methodical. Mahomes has got the flip and the tricks and all that. But when it comes to pure tight spiral, just a pure spinner – Justin Herbert has the prettiest ball in the game. Um, the Chargers, man, they're such an interesting team to me. They're so laden with talent on both sides of the football, yet they are so. So I'm a, I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan, and we always choke in big games. And there's a term that we get has been coined for us called "we're Spursy," right? And uh, the Chargers remind me a lot of that. It's a lot of talent, but in the big moments, they're
0: they're chargery. <laughs> they, they, yeah. they find a way to lose that, you know? so, they are who we thought they were they always we are. are that and, and it's
1: not like it's not like it's the coaching or the current players that they have on no, their roster the roster because they've been doing that since i was in my teens
2: for sure and they had some and you know what's funny is we were talking about like you know uh, the charges weren't iconic I, I i beg to differ i think that like in the 90s like like in 90s early 2000s they were actually kind of that dark blue with the bolt, Ladainian Tomlinson Jr. stay Drew Brees like they were sick, dude, and, and and they had some really iconic players and and but they just have always had that that you know that nervy uh, thing about them. So I'm interested to see what that game plays out because I think that either either of those teams could 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 be a problem. You know, they they're they're wild. They're, it's called a wild card. They're a wild card team, and and they could. Just get hot at the right time and make make some people really uncomfortable. Um, So I'm looking forward to that.
0: I just want to point out that I'm pretty sure that the term chargery is a real thing. I think they have been chargery since Stan Humphreys was the quarterback against the Niners in the Super Bowl back in 95. (laughs) When was Phillip rivers not down eight with 85 yards to go it, no timeouts with under two minutes. I mean, it, this is just who this team is. And so I always expect the chargers to blow it somehow. Um, you know, whether they're playing for a tie last year to just to get in the playoffs or what they're going to figure out a way to blow it. Um, and you, you have a Jacksonville team who's young enough, naive enough to not really give a shit and go out there and possibly pull pull off a win. You know, I wouldn't be shocked because you have two things working for you you have the chargers being chargery and you have a team who's fairly naive with a hell of a head coach doug peterson's done a great job with those dudes you know um so yeah no i think that's a great call i think i think uh i think wild card weekend is one too many games i don't i like the top two seeds having a buy. I don't like just the number one seed having a buy. I, um, as you boys know, not ever for a playoff expansion. If anything, I want to shrink that shit. (laughs) I think too many teams make it. Um, but with that said, my, my round is the divisional round. That's when I'm like, okay, this is real playoffs now. But with, with that said, um, I'm excited for all the games, you know, even dolphins, Buffalo, i i don't know who the starting quarterback is for the dolphins yet but i just ruled
2: out two is ruled out two
0: is ruled out that's
2: skylar thompson is going to be the starting quarterback so that might actually be my least um yeah because i mean i like i said i i think you know bills by 24. Uh, i i genuinely believe it's going to be a 35 to 7 game
0: i didn't know uh two was ruled out so i'll immediately retract that statement and, um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just with uh, with Tom Brady this weekend. I think that's the most exciting thing. Obviously, for me, I'm going to be watching the glue to that Niners game. But um, aside from that, I'm with John. Uh, did you all hear the stat that Tom Brady has never in his professional career played in a game that did not have playoff implications? That's crazy.
2: You know, I also... That's, that's insane. Not, I just, not, I also I also heard... Patrick Mahomes has never played a true playoff road game
1: he's never played a he's never played a playoff road game only Super never, Bowl ever, has been a neutral yeah. site
2: a, a true playoff road game
1: that's never. insane and he won't that's this insane. year
2: and he won't
0: while we're throwing out random stats staying on Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes I also heard that Tom Brady since the age of 40 has thrown for more touchdowns um more receiving yards and more has more playoff wins than Patrick Mahomes since the age of forty. It's <laughs> fucking nuts. <that> higher, <laughs> dude. Oh god, it's sick of this guy. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. All right, well, John, let's get to uh, your area of expertise. This is your, the last time for a while that this is going to be much of a topic, and college football is done for the season first of all yeah. how are you are you okay
1: i you know I, I don't think it's really registered yet um and i think it won't even register this week because we have nfl football on a saturday uh yeah. but once i finally wake up and don't have football on a saturday that's when it's really going to sink in i know my girlfriend is super excited about getting saturdays back uh, except i didn't tell her that their wildcard weekend is a saturday this week so that's going to be fun. Um, but yeah I mean it's it's always it's always a bummer uh, having college football in but with Nil this year it is turned fo- I mean it's turned it into the true amateur minor league system if you will of the NFL so it's constantly changing you constantly have guys transferring um so I think that that will be able to hold me over is just seeing, what you know big time you know power five quarterbacks are transferring and, and what you know programs are going to and what recruits are getting what um for next year but yeah man it's 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 always a bummer to to have football end
0: yeah no doubt and it always uh reminds me of like i'm getting older at this point right like every time the season ends i'm like fuck <laughs> another year has gone by um if you could have gone to one college football game this season, which would it have been because I mine is easy because I was supposed to go to it and it didn't work out. Um, I
1: it's tough. I would, I would probably say, uh, TCU against Michigan, uh, this year for the semifinal. I, I TCU obviously getting blown out in the champion. I mean, probably the worst national championship we've ever had. Um, that Georgia team is just is just amazing. But that that semifinal where Michigan was supposed to win, obviously, Drew, you're you're a Michigan guy. Mm. That that should not have happened. Um, but that you know, TCU is just one of those teams that is like the epitome of college football. Um, and and part of the reason why I can't wait for an expanded playoff because you're gonna get some of these teams um, that are in the top 10 that are gonna hit that tournament. They're not going to be good enough, like t- like we see with TCU. They're not going to be good enough to sustain those games where they come up against those Alabamas, where they come up against those Ohio States. Um, so we're going to thin out, and we're not going to see. Hopefully, I would assume that we're not going to see that many type, you know, mismatched championships anymore. You're not, you know, football is not one of those team uh, is not one of those sports where you can just make this run and and beat anyone you want, especially in college football where the disparity and the the recruits are. Um, are in such you know such disarray so I, I i think tcu michigan would have been would have been a good one or uh alabama texas this year uh, in austin would have been a really good one as well
0: so your boy was supposed to go to death valley for lsu alabama this year and it didn't work sick. out <sighs> overtime win god i know man I really 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 wanted to go to that game and that's the game and it was
1: essentially knocking Alabama out of the playoff situation yeah
0: yeah. I've wanted to go to that particular game in Death Valley forever now and this year I actually had tickets or I booked a flight and things just didn't end up working out with the timing and all that and so I've been kicking myself ever since so that would have been mine AB did you have one from the college football season
2: um the Tennessee Alabama uh thriller where tennessee kind of in knoxville yes in knoxville where tennessee kind of stamped their uh their flag down and alabama has uh come back to the pack a little bit i thought that was uh a coming out party for a program or not even coming out party maybe a, a reinvigoration of a program in tennessee um hayden hooker you know they they fell off after that but what a game what a statement um you know what A exercising a demons <laughs> you know what i mean and so uh the goalpost came goalpost came down and the goalpost went into the allegheny and was it was the allegheny the river? no that's new york I forget, whatever the, the, they threw the goalpost into the river and um so yeah i, I thought that was the my brother bleeds crimson and so for mm-hmm. me it's always nice to, to watch him squirm a little bit
0: um what was that river that's gonna bug me now <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know
2: I, I i think the allegheny is in uh new york
0: we sound like assholes i know i hate
2: this it's it's such good pod uh uh
0: it's the tennessee river
2: yeah
0: <laughs> We're fucking idiots. Oh, oh man! Oh my God. I mean, this sports, not geography. All right? <laughs> Fair enough. That's uh, hilarious. All right. Do you want to talk about this? uh This, like supposed, title game at all? Me?
1: No. I mean,
0: yeah. uh, the only
1: thing I want to say about this title game, and and Aaron kind of alluded to it a little bit with Alabama, Georgia is the new standard in college football. Uh this team is reloading. They got rid of five dudes on defense last year all in the first round of the NFL draft and that defense looks better than it did last year.
0: Oh, like, are you sure about that?
1: This defense this year has given up less points than last year's defense.
2: Kirby Smart is is the truth.
1: They have uh, they have over 15 five-star recruits this year like jesus it's insane the amount of talent that they're accruing especially in this day and age with nil where if you're not playing if you're the third third string guy you just move on and go to somewhere else you know what i mean like kirby smart is getting these guys to come and commit and stay for two three years and this team i I don't see any team being able to beat them next year either
0: so i wanted to ask you about that so so I don't know how um, up on NIL rules and regulations you are, but let's say I'm a college recruit and I am going to be the third stringer at Alabama or or Georgia or any of these major schools. And I cut an NIL, I cut an NIL deal on the terms that I'm going to go to this school. And let's say I do enter the portal. Does that money, is that then null and void?
1: The money you, the money you have already made, or the money you're standing to make.
0: The money I'm standing to make.
1: So there's there is a rule in place saying that you cannot lose your nil deals based on where you're going or or transferring and stuff like that. I'm I'm sure with these boosters and and lawyers and so, I'm sure that there's writing in place when they sign uh, on signing day that says as long as you're playing for this university, we will hold these nil deals or whatever it may be but if if a player just happens to up and leave yeah they they can't they can't just nix the deal because he's no longer coming that's that's my and if it's money that has already been paid out they can't get it back so it's i mean it's it's a wild way i mean it's always been like this but now it's just in the forefront and on paper and um you know kids are i guess are protected a little bit more but it's yeah it's it's interesting i i don't think that um that leaving or i know that if, if you leave it's it doesn't affect your your nil deal
0: that sounds like a fucking mess yeah and also if i'm a booster paying a kid i, I create some shell corporation like i can't believe that all these people are just above board right and if a kid was to dip after a season and I had him on a four-year contract or a three-year contract, whatever, say he's a five-star recruit, I think he's going to the NFL, I'd put him on a three-year contract, and he dips after his first year because he has to redshirt or whatever, Um, let's say I'm not the most above-board dude, right? I got some henchmen out there. I might be coming for that money. You know what I mean? Like, I just think this is – this. there's such a – this is just – fucking ripe with corruption it's set up perfectly to be more corrupt if anything and this is all based off the strength that the schools don't want to pay the the kids right yeah because because the ncaa wasn't
2: corrupt before and didn't have backdoor deals and napkin deals i mean it's it's, it's, okay so my you know my rebuttal to that is like okay so what we get to see it a little bit more I, i mean it's it's the same things are going to be going on that haven't been going on since the seventies and eighties. Sure. Yeah. And I, I just think, yeah.
1: Well, and, and the NCAA really doesn't have any say in this. NIL is, yeah. is strictly through the university right. in the right. and the state. So,
0: but the thing, I think the thing that's different though, right. Is it's kind of like when they legalized weed here, recreationally, where a lot of people got in the game that weren't in the game prior and didn't know what they were doing, right? Like a lot of yes, all of this has been going on in, you know, and it's been a very known secret, right? Like we're privy to this. We probably heard stories from people that, you know, have went and saw the bag man or the sneaker guy or whatever. You know what I mean? Like we all we all are aware that this was going on, but I feel like once you legalize it, but you don't really regulate it, um, in any real meaningful way i think you just open yourself up to corruption like we saw in this wonderful state of ours once we got legalized it just became kind of a shit show and a free-for-all and i'm just wondering if i was wondering about the rules because i wonder how that will impact college football moving forward
1: i mean it's essentially it's putting the it's it's just as corrupt as it's always been. It's just now the power has kind of changed hands to the, to the players, you know, like the, the boosters are kind of at the players will now, as far as, you know, coming to the school transfer portal, not being before it was under the table. They could, you know, as deniability, they could cut you off and you'd be screwed. Also, if you wanted to transfer, you know, three years ago, you were losing a year of eligibility. Like, you would transfer, have yep. to sit for a year, and yep. then you could play, right? So, like, boosters were, were guaranteeing that. Like, all right, well, what is he going to do? He's going to go, he's a junior. He can't transfer, and, you know, he's, he's ineligible at that point. Now you can transfer and play that same, not that same year, but transfer and play that following year. I mean, it's it's the, the wild west. It's, well, the yeah, the shift power
2: is The power going back to the player, going to the players, and I think that in, in a lot of ways... That it was so imbalanced in power and it was so in favor of the schools and in favor of the NCAA locking these kids in while they were able to terminate these kids, um, you know, scholarships at any point. Right. And now it's shifted to where, look, yeah, you know what? That's a risk you take as a booster is as an endorsement, as you know, if you're going to give somebody money based off of their likeness, their credibility, their play, whatever, you're taking a shot. Like you're, it's you know. a gamble it's an investment and people lose out on
1: investments well and and recruiting flips on its head as well before before it was you know come to your house tell you how we're going to protect your kid i'm sure some of that still goes on but what the scheme is how we're going to use you if you plan on starting your first year if we plan on redshirting you that takes a back seat now now it's we're we're going to come to you and say hey look you know like uh like miami you know has has nerd wallet as their big booster right or the Lebertard show with with Metal Arc Media is a booster, right? So like kids are sitting down and it's like, hey, do you want to do you want to get this much from from Nerd Wallet, or we can have, you know, or Texas A&M oil boosters or hey, we're going to start a corporation, you know, just to a shell corporation just to kind of funnel you this or, you know, over three years, you can stand to make this much money. It's going to be a business transaction rather than the prestige of going to Notre Dame or you know, the the scheme of playing for Nick Saban, you know, it's I'm sure some of that still factors in for some students. Uh, but for the majority, it's it's what can you do for me? Am I starting? How much NIL deal am I going to get? And then you're going to go from there as far as scheme, schedule, all that kind of stuff.
2: Which, hey, you know what? Get these kids ready for the NFL because that's what it is. Yeah, and 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 the sooner that these guys can start making money, the better. A kid like Demar Hamlin's making the league minimum right now, and he may never play again. He's second year, right? There's no guarantees. It doesn't have a vest- He hasn't hit his vesting option in three years, where he gets medical and he gets. You know what I mean? Like he's done. If he doesn't play, he is done. If he would have been able to make, and he was a a top top recruit, you know, when he was coming out of high school, Alabama, Georgia, these, and he decided to go to Pitt. He could, and he was, a, I think, a three or four year starter. He could have been making money, you know, before he got to the NFL. I'm all for it. Like I, I, I think that it's, I think it needs to be this way. They need to be more accustomed to dealing with it, dealing with the sport as a business transaction. That's what it is. That's yeah. what it is. It's an entertainment business. A period. Point blank. Yes, it's, we all want to believe that it's sport is for the love and for this and that. It is when you're a kid. But as you rise to the ranks, there's too much money involved for it not to be a business. So the sooner you get acclimated to the business side of things, the better, in my opinion.
0: No, and I, I totally. <clears throat> whoa, I don't know whoa, what happened there. Jesus. Gross, dude. That was a fine. That's disgusting. That was I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> What happened there? Um, I just want to be clear here i totally agree with what both of you are saying it is a business and it should be treated as such I, and regulation when i say this is what happens when with, with no regulation i want to be clear there too I'm not a big fan of um, government or any other type of regulation because we fucked that up too. Right. But when there, I feel like there's very few um, checks and balances when it comes to NIL and it is the wild West and these kids shouldn't make as much money as they have the power to negotiate as they have the lever to uh, leverage to negotiate. I totally agree. So, so I just want to be clear about that. I'm just curious, you know, moving forward how you guys think it's going to change the landscape of football college football um because i think it's going to look totally different in 20 years now that it's out in the open
1: yeah definitely and and you're gonna see you're gonna i feel like you're gonna see a lot more parity from conferences obviously in in 20 years we have no clue but even in the next five years when conferences start to dwindle down and um you know there's going to be literally like three or four major conferences, um, of the entirety of football, you're going to see these, these transfer portal guy. I mean, TCU is a perfect example. TCU was five and seven last year. They had one of the best transfer portal out of any other, uh, out of any other D one, uh, division one college football team. And look what they put on the field. Obviously it's big 12 play, you know, strength of schedule, stuff like that. But TCU went from a five and seven team, after nil and, and transfer portal to a national championship runner-up
2: i think you're going to start to see it shift in a lot of ways as well with with um a model a lot like the independent schools where they're going to be seeking out the biggest revenue driving matchups they can get um you know you're already starting to see what i think usc and and whoever else is going to the big 10 right isn't that happening like it's, it's like
1: yeah usc and uh ucla
2: They're going to the Big Ten, right? And so it's like we're already starting to see this, like, pangea of college football where it's like, you know... Texas and Oklahoma
1: going to the SEC.
2: SEC, Right, okay. So you're starting to see this kind of, like, migration of programs that are going, okay, how can we get the biggest matchups, the biggest draws, right? And eventually, I think what will happen is the NCAA is going to disappear in a certain sense, and it's going to become programs. It's going to become major institutions like alabama and tennessee and usc and texas and oklahoma that are the true pillars of of the sport and and essentially it's going to be you know pick your pick your schedule and if you want to try and make the, the national championship like you're going to have to pick a strength schedule um that's a really loose forecast i'm not a huge college football guy i i watch it i do like college football i'm not as up to date like John is on um, on the the technicalities and the legalities of the NIL and transfer portal and all that stuff, but I just see it becoming a way more profit driven uh, entity. I mean, it has been through the NCAA, but only for a select one percent entity in the in the NCAA. Now the wealth is getting spread a little bit more. The you know the diversification of of um power is happening where these programs and these players are starting to be able to flex their muscle a little bit and i only think that that's going to grow i don't i think that you've let the cat out of the bag you're not getting the toothpaste back in the tube with this um i think that it's just going to grow
0: yeah agreed and ab i just want to say um your mother's at internet over there fucking killing it bro is it killing it man you you've never looked so sharp there's no lag it's just this is Wow, chef's kiss. Love Tell your it. shout out to your mom's internet. Uh, um, what is that? Xfinity big down there.
2: <laughs> big, big <stream>. Let's go. <laughs> um,
0: John, do you want to get a final word on your Broncos and this coaching search, or whatever?
1: Man, I just hope we get someone decent.
0: Who do That's you want wrongful. as as a Broncos fan?
1: I want D'Amico Ryan's, the defensive coordinator for the Niners. Yeah. Man, I I want I want someone that is going to turn to Russell Wilson and say, Hey, what do you think about offensive coordinators? What do you think? You know, give him the insight and let, let, I mean, the defense is, is legit. You know what I mean? It's, it's already a top five defense. So D'Amico doesn't have to really come in and do a lot. Um, but, to, and, and can still have, I'm I'm Evo. I, I forget our defense coordinator's name. That's like three letters each. Um, Evo in, 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 uh, Ivo, anyway, uh, but hold him as defense coordinator, and then find someone um, that you know fits Russ's style, and and hopefully, I, I don't expect to you know to be a a thirteen and four team next year. You know, but we, I mean, we could have been the Chargers. You know what I mean? We could have been a nine and eight team. We could have been a ten and ten and seven team, and I'm really hoping for that next year. But with that being said, not getting my hopes up
0: let's ride oh <laughs> uh, all right god you just had to get that in huh so That's uh cringy. one I mean, of you guys I, I'm,
1: I'm like hipster in the sense of like so many people hate russ now that it's like I, I gotta give him a break you know i can't i can't be on that train anymore i was on in the beginning now it's just like a common fad i'm, I'm going you. the opposite way i'm going the opposite I way i have faith in russ man he's so cringy
2: but i hear you
1: nine-time pro bowler
2: yeah
0: um so i don't know whose brilliant idea it was to come with a new new year's rule solution i'm guessing that was you john all right (laughs) so explain to the people what the idea is
1: so a new year's rule solution is a proposed rule change this year in any sport that you guys would like to see and it could be it could be far out there and like you know that's obviously never going to happen but it would be funny if it happened or it could be i'm I'm assuming aaron could be more literal uh of a real rule change that you want to see go into effect do you think would make the game better
2: okay so i've got two right and i've got a real little literal one that is actually happening and i've got one that i want to see the literal literal one to me is the shift in baseball it's so starved for organic offense outside of the home run, that I think yeah. that it brings into play quite a few more uh, players. It, it, it elevates the uh, possibility of um, what a single actually can do, or a double, the, the gap shot. Um, so I'm excited to see how that's going to play out. I want to – and then for my out there one, I want to see a four point shot, four point line in NBA. I think that would be so sick, dude. Let me see a four pointer or like Steph has to like it's like those. The, you know like halfway between three point and a half court and it's just like a straight line across like there's no, not even an arc to it like just a straight line across like and it's like that right there is like a three-point banger or like make like an eight-foot like circle like it's like if you if you run into that circle and you make it it's a four-pointer you know like i don't think like, that's don't... crazy
0: at all and i would like to add to that i would like to make dunks three points <laughs> from now on love it i i want the four-point line i want the three uh dunks being three points i think that's perfect because listen i'm tired of these dudes just running up the the court and just kicking out and shooting threes all day i miss when dudes would just drive to the lane get fouled tomahawk dunk over three people like let's bring that back let's reward it so if you want to be you know a jump shooting team just make sure you got one dude on the squad a stro mile swift if you will that's just got mega bounce will stay inside and all he does is put back dunks all day i I would love to see that um i'll think of another proposed rule chain but um, change but i'm guessing john since this was your idea uh you have something just mind-blowing for us um
1: well this was uh what was this two weeks ago so i literally have nothing but on the fly um i do i (laughs) i do want to change uh it's more literal but i do want to change the fining system in the nfl i found out the other day that to throw a football after you score a touchdown if you throw a football into the stands that's $7,500 fine that is insane but uniforms is really what gets me if you have a certain shirt that an undershirt that hangs more than three inches outside of your jersey that's a $1,700 fine if you have socks that go above your knees That is a $2,000 fine. You cannot wear any shoe that does not have the majority three color scheme to your NFL team. And you cannot wear any other memorabilia or any other artifact of clothing that is not sponsored or
0: an NFL brand itself. It's horseshit. Speaking of uniforms, I have my rule change specific to the NBA. We are fucking done with all these jerseys. You get three jerseys. You get your home, which is always fucking white. It's white. That's what the color of the home jersey is. Your away colors, whatever, but it's your darker version and you get an alternate or a throwback one or the other we're done with these multicolored jerseys your cityscapes, your heart whatever the fucks i'm tired of it half the time i turn on the tv i have no idea who's playing until i <laughs> if, especially with all these players sitting if the, if it scrubs in i have to look at the lower third and find the score box to figure out what cities are these i have no idea who the fuck these guys are. I am tired. The regular season meant something in my day. And now I don't even know who the fuck is on the floor. I absolutely fucking hate it. I don't know what the solution is. for not resting players. And to be fair to the NBA this season, I don't feel like um, scheduled rest has been the issue. It's been in the past. There has been a lot of injuries, of course, but I don't think it's been the same issue. But man, part the biggest I think the biggest thing facing the NBA in the regular season is rivalries are gone and you lose a lot when you don't have rivalries and when you don't have a team that is easily identifiable. The Warriors at home should look like the Warriors at home. It's a white jersey. If you want to go old school, blue and gold, fine. If you want to go back to those early 2000s, Thunderbolt, fine, whatever. Let's just pick one. Those Cal jerseys, get them the fuck out of here. I hate those jerseys. Okay? The Rose jerseys are dope. I like those. So that's your one alternate jersey for the year. Bring back the town jerseys. I don't care, but we don't get eight jerseys per team. I have no idea who's playing. Sorry. That's fine.
2: You right. We're we're good? We're breathing? Breathe?
0: Breathe. (laughs) There, guys, you know it. There's, And I get it. You're trying to... You're trying to move units. I get it. But these jerseys are so fucking ridiculous. And I think there is something to be said about wearing your classic unis, right? Like, I just, I like, I like, I don't, I don't like the Lakers colors. I like their classic unis, right? Like, I like a easily identifiable, the Knicks, classic unis, Bulls, classic unis. We don't need to improve on perfection. The Timberwolves had some of the sickest jerseys in the league. In two thousand, in, in the early two thousands and nineties, and for whatever reason, Houston, those those were so sick. Now they're fire so jerseys,
2: lame, dude. They're so lame.
0: Yeah, like uh-huh. it kills I, me. I, was watching. I didn't even know who the fuck it was, and then I realized, oh, that's Dame Lillard out there because yeah. he had a fucking turquoise jersey on. Help me out. I am a basket. I am a hoop head. I love hoops. I don't. If I can't recognize who these teams are, how are you going to build? Any relevance to the casual fan during the regular season? I just don't understand it. It's so frustrating. I hate watching it. So let's get rid of it. Is that a good rule change, John?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. Also, low, uh also, low Whoa, Jesus! It's been a long day. You're on a, you're on a heater today, bud. Uh, it's been a long fucking day, man. <laughs> um I'll finish with this: trampolines in the outfield. We need to make it happen.
1: Warning crack.
0: Yes, money. That's great
1: trampolines on the warning track
0: um all right so are we doing our picks this week i so
2: i, I have a few picks but i, I also i did want to touch on a couple things uh notables are we going to go over notable sports 2022 let's do New that New yeah let's okay. do that so i i have a couple um the first one is uh steph curry game four um in the garden td garden um against boston down 2-1 in the championship, and he put the kids to sleep. He said, young children, it's time to go upstairs. The adults are having a conversation, and it's time for bed. And he went in there like a baby-faced assassin and essentially showed the world why he's arguably the greatest player of our generation. Um, And I think that it was iconic in a sense and just what they did and how they did it and to have clay come back that th- that that season to have these old, older guys going up against this up and coming new Boston team and for for them to be down 2-1 for basically getting bodied the first 3 games completely getting out muscled completely getting out worked out hustled and for them to go into to to Boston and for Steph to put on a, a straight masterclass um that was to me one of the greatest individual performances on a basketball court I've ever seen, um, and I think it's underrated in a certain sense. I think we we have all these you know really, but I think in 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 the pantheons of of NBA basketball over time, um, that will stand up there as one of the the greatest performances to to will a team. I mean, if they lose that game, they lose that series, and Steph, you know, he <laughs> said put a you know, put a ring on it. So um, that was that was up there for me. And then um, most recently for me as a soccer guy, watching Messi uh, win the World Cup, I thought that was um, fantastic. I'm super, super happy that he got that crowning moment. Um, I've gone through all the superlatives before and in, in past shows about who he is and what he is and what he's done for the game. Um, but him and Steph to me are, are quite alike in that they just carry themselves in a way that, you know, Buster Posey was like this, where, you know, if you have a kid, you want your kid to emulate those guys. That's who you point to as an adult, to a young person and say, that's how you hold yourself. That's how you go about your business. That's how you go. And that's how you play with joy. You express yourself on the on the sports field and, and you do it with class and honor. Um, and so those two guys, to me, really, I, I I'm glad that 2022. Crowning
0: moment for them agreed um i thought that you touched on a couple of them but um i actually watched game four with john and talk about pessimistic man this guy was saying the series is over every five minutes i was just like john stop it bro i was you're,
1: melting down
0: you're fucking up the vibe bro we got this Um, My favorite part about that game on a personal note was yelling at that Celtics fan in the bar that Paul Pierce shit himself. And he just put his hands up and he goes, I got nothing. I got no response to that. I got no response while wearing a Paul Pierce jersey. That was pretty epic. Uh, (laughs) um, For me, the, the, there's two moments that really stuck out in the season and he touched on both of them in game six when Steph, walked down the court and said put a fucking ring on it that that moment that picture in my mind will be frozen in time forever um this was by far the most unexpected of championships of this warriors run and i think it meant the most and they let you know they kept all the fucking receipts the way that clay was talking about desmond bain and those dudes at in memphis um coming out and talking shit and with this unearned arrogance when they haven't done it right like that all that was fucking incredible um and then clay's comeback game of course that uh him coming back in having that dunk it was just like I that was a game I really, really wish like I have regrets on missing a few few games. That was one of them just to you could feel the energy through the TV on that. And then um, a pop culture moment for me that really stood out and I think really kind of tied a bow on 2023 for me was Dave Chappelle on SNL because what we were going through in the context of what this nation was going through and the midterms at that point and how crazy everything seemed to be in that moment. And Dave Chappelle, for me at least the way he was able to speak so eloquently to the Kanye stuff, to the Trump stuff and put it in terms that both sides I feel could understand and laugh at. I just thought it was just absolute genius. And it's something, um, Every other week or so, I'll just find myself driving. I'll just throw that on because it makes. It's to this day, it makes me laugh. Now the midterms are over and it's crazy climate. And I got to tell you, uh, I feel like this midterm, is like all of humanity, depends on it. And it's an ominous sign. The most ominous sign of the midterms, I believe, would be Herschel Walker, who I I don't want to speak badly of because he's black, <laughs> but I have to admit, he's um. He's observably stupid.
2: <laughs> Even when he's not talking, his mouth be open a little bit. Like <laughs> He's the kind of guy that looks like he thinks before he makes a move on tic-tac-toe. I have not seen it but I do consider Dave Chappelle a sage and sage wisdom I think that the way that he's able to um to articulate both sides of the aisle and and I think you know I just think that if a lot of us thought like Dave I think this place would be a lot better of, of a planet for sure
0: Agreed yeah I would highly recommend you go back and check that out What about you John you got anything how are you going to remember this the, the year that was 2022 uh,
1: so I had uh, Argentina World Cup final, yeah, um, yeah. on that list. I had uh, I just kind of grouped all of the Warriors. I called it the Petty Championship, yeah. Um, you know, just everything that incorporated Game Four, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then I had Bills Chiefs AFC Championship game. Great call. That was that was Great probably call. one of the best, if not the best, football games I've ever watched in my entire yeah. life. Um, scoring over twenty five points in less than two minutes. Just back and forth and, you know, having going down, uh, you know, three points with 13 seconds left and still being able for the Chiefs to drive down and win that game yeah. <laughs> is absolutely incredible. Um, So, yeah, I, I would say I would say AFC championship game was probably the best game of the entire year in in all
0: sports last year. Agreed. That's a great call. All right. Should we take a break and uh, get to the picks? Yeah. Yeah. I got a few
2: picks real quick that we can do. Let's get it okay all right so
0: uh you want me to just roll through it yeah that's good john do you have any picks this week i just have
1: uh i just have a quick uh teaser that i'm throwing out for wildcard teaser but other than that no
0: okay all right go ahead ab
2: all right, so I I actually I like I, to the Charger'y Chargers. I'm gonna go with Jacksonville. I think uh, minus two and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to minus three by um, Saturday. I believe they're playing. Um, so yeah, Saturday eight fifteen PM um, uh, eight fifteen uh, Eastern. So five fifteen PM. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I got some funny feeling about this Jaguars team. Like like you said, they're naive. They don't know any better. Like they shouldn't be really be here. Um, Trevor Lawrence is kind of coming into his own. Doug Peterson has the experience. Travis Etienne is a serious problem. Travis
1: Etienne is a problem. Yes, it's a serious,
2: serious problem. Um, so I love, I love Jacksonville. I'm kind of, that's kind of a heart bet there. I really would like to see them win. I do like the chargers, but, um, Jacksonville, um, plus two and a half. I do think you can wait and get it at plus three. Um, I do think that public money will come in on, uh, the chargers, um, bills minus 10 i mean I, it could be minus 14. uh it could be minus 17. yeah i think it's like, at 13 I mean, now I, I would honestly if i was if i was if i'm gonna bet this game outside of the minus 10 i might actually look for an alternate line at minus 17 and see what the plus money on that is um because i really don't see skylar thompson in this miami office he's shown what they are with him and they can't score 10 points so um there's just no way. And you got to go up to Buffalo and you got to play Buffalo after, you know, DeMar Hamlin's going to be calling into that locker room before the game. Yeah, right, dude. Like 35 6. Um, so <laughs> I-, I think Buffalo is a safe one there at minus 10. And then, um yeah, give me the Bucks plus three at home.
1: <laughs> I just think that like
2: Dallas is, I, I think Dak Prescott is highly overrated. Um,
1: Would you even argue that they are inflated?
2: They're highly inflated. Mm -hmm. I I can't believe they're favorite. I can't believe they're favorites. I I, like Look, I don't think Tampa Bay is great, and I don't think that they're that good, and I think Tom Brady gives them some name brand recognition when when it comes to certain things. Their defense is starting to step up a little bit. Mike Evans has gone missing. I don't know what his deal is. Um, But with all that being said, you still have Tom Brady as your quarterback. That defense is legit, and they have legit pieces, and they can buckle down. And, again, I've said this before – it's Mike McCarthy coaching the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sorry, dude. Like I, this is the Cowboys. And the Cowboys are almost the chargers of the, of the NFC. They're, they're, they're cowgirly. Like they just, I don't want to be sexist, but they're just like, they just, yeah, they, they know how to lose games when it counts. And so, um, yeah, give me, give me Tampa Bay at home. Yep. Plus three. Like that's a no
1: brainer for me.
0: No, I'm with you. And so you guys might've thought I would, get rid of the lock of the week since (laughs) i finished the season at 500 but you would be sorely mistaken my friends because the lock of the week is back and for the entirety of the playoffs it's simple i'm gonna make a blind bet here with one caveat but it's a blind bet nonetheless i'm just betting on tom brady whatever the line is i'm betting on The bucks to win with the one caveat being unless they play the niners i do not bet against my squad i do not do that that is that's not a fun way to win money okay (laughs) it does it doesn't make the heart the heart feel any bit better that oh cool i won two hundred dollars like not not chill bro so that's my one caveat so i'm going tom brady let's hear the teaser john
1: all right teaser we'll keep it quick we have jags plus nine we're doing six and a half so we got jags plus nine we got bucks plus nine at home we got 49ers minus three and a half let's i i, I, I like i don't that. know what it i, I really do like that. it which yeah. makes
0: me feel just
1: stinky you know what i mean it's there's yeah. something fishy about well, this you, well, you I have I my endorsement so
0: much you should fade my endorsement is what i'm saying to you I mean, I think you could add the Bills
2: to that and make it a four-teamer or mm. swap the Bills out with the Niners. I just, the Niner game, I, I, maybe it's too much and I'm just like overthinking it, but I'm starting to get nervous because it's in divisional. Just, I don't like it. Third time playing, we did it last year against the Rams. I don't like it. i I wanted to make
0: sure. okay so i'm i'm not the only one good (laughs) because i feel the exact same way like i don't like this game i don't like anything that's happening it all makes me uncomfortable and until they're host they're hoisting the lombardi trophy i'm always going to think is this the week is this the week is this the week that i'm heartbroken i will say it would be easier because i'm considering going to arizona um specifically like scottsdale area for Super Bowl weekend waste management's there. I think it would be a blast. But if the Niners are in it, it's going to suck because I'm going to be there without my Niner friends. And so I don't know if I should just book the ticket with
1: Niner fans will be there.
0: They're not my friends, though. You know, I want to go through it with the people I've gone through it with. The people I've, I've cried on shoulders with, you know, like the people I know, it means as much to them as it does to me. You know, I, like the people that we're gonna have to call out of work the next day. That's those are the people I want to spend the Super Bowl with, and uh, I don't know if I'm gonna have that because I'm I'm really like kind of rolling the dice here and thinking maybe maybe just fuck it, go to Arizona. You know,
2: dude, have you guys seen? the trailer for that full swing pga tour netflix yes, on that's gonna be awesome dude. yeah they, i think that that's such a great move especially with, I, one of my 2022 things and I, it was kind of lame but the whole live controversy was something that was stood out to me as an avid golfer um that really shake shook up the landscape of golf um so i'm excited to see like them trying different things to push it's, you know it's funny what
1: one little competitor that's not even really a competitor can do to the BG, to the pga i mean yeah. the
0: bga dude <laughs> the bga the <laughs> shouts to Boys the bga call. oh shit oh, let's go niners let's go niners let's we got go, niners niners
2: by 24 come on
0: let's end it on that the Hawks are gonna win. oh god get that negativity out of here